Neil Sperling. That's me. Thanks for coming on the show. Proud and pleased to be here. It's our honor. And I'm very grateful to Tristan Tyler Blake for introducing us, making this happen. Well, the universe chooses things for us, and here we are. Yeah. We're co-creators. We do. Yeah. Sometimes we're even conscious of it. <laughs> okay, actually, that was a straight line, so I'm glad I'm, I'm bringing you to yeah. a level of, of humor and enjoyment yeah. so early in our conversation. Yeah. In yeah. any event. How can I provide you with excellent service this with evening? The, yeah. Well, likewise, in return. All uh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know where that could go. Neil. Yes. Super connecting, systematizing genius. Very, very important topics that are near and dear to my heart. Genius. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that uh, description that you've given of me. Have you been drinking this evening? <laughs> Any of that? No, thank you very much. I'm very flattered. I'm looking forward to unpacking this. I want to start with your journey. Who were you growing up? What was? Who were you growing up? Who was, who yeah, was who, I growing up? Who were you growing up? Oh, I thought you were saying, who was I growing up? And I <laughs> misheard that. But see, that's actually a really good segue because, you know, I think part of my gift is that I listen and hear things differently than people traditionally do. Um, there's a lot of wordplay going on in my brain, and I discovered that pretty early on. Uh, who was I growing up? I, I frankly, I've shared this with other people and in other interviews, but I think I was pretty much a misfit. I like that word a lot. Yeah. Right, because I think a lot of people can identify if you haven't found your passion, your purpose, or your place in the world or what you want to do, you do feel like that. And so I think a lot of people can identify with that. And and I I believe I was one of the world's greatest misfits because... I had a lot of interest and curiosity in so many areas. And what I discovered is, is that I was good at a lot of things, but I wasn't great at a lot of things. And I think it's a frustration for a lot of people to find where their greatness lies. And I do believe every one of us, every one of us is put on this earth for a reason. Yeah. And it is to discover our passion, our purpose, and through that, this journey where we ask questions and try to figure out where we fit, that we become self-actualized. Yes. And when we're self-actualized, we're in the zone. Yep. And we're happy and we're content and we're serving our purpose, which is partly not only to serve ourselves, but to serve one another. Yep. And if you do that often enough, my own personal feeling about it is, is that eventually if you do it right, or if you believe in reincarnation and you get to come back and keep doing it more often and better, you get to graduate. Yep. Yep. My personal belief being that when you graduate, you have an understanding that allows you a sensitivity and an empathy with other people that you've been interacting with. That when you're eventually going home, or as some people say, you know, when you go to die, you were to find heaven, wouldn't it be the ultimate definition of heaven if everyone understood how to get along? So for me, the journey, as you said, that's the key word that I sparked to is like growing up. I think we're all in a process of growing up. When we come to this world, none of us really have clarity. 
We don't have clarity about ourselves. We don't have clarity about what we're supposed to do. And the journey becomes the answer. Yes. So I don't know if I answered your question well, but beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. So many good parts to play off there. Doing a lot of things well, but not being great at any of them is a common theme of polymaths, people that have learned much a lot across a lot of different fields. And it makes them able to see connections between ideas and people that other people can't see. My handicap became my blessing because I I find I can relate to what you just shared. Um, That curiosity led me to study many, many, many subjects and attempting to master them. I wasn't as good as I wanted to be. But in growing up, I think around 15, I've talked about this elsewhere as well, I was given a test for puzzles. And I didn't even know what it was measuring, but it was apparently measuring my ability to do abstract reasoning, predictive modeling, you know, when you see these shapes and which would connect up with each other in the most optimal sense. It was a breeze for me. And I didn't realize that that was probably my gift, but I was able to see pretty instantly how things fit together, how people fit together, uh, how systems fit together, just connecting the puzzles, connecting the dots. And I didn't know you could do anything with that. I didn't know you could make a career out of it. But it gave me clarity at that point that I wasn't necessarily a misfit. That was one thing I was apparently, I'll say, great at. Because when I tested the first time, I got 100% score. And they thought they wanted to come back and ask me the question, um, we'd like to test you again. And I said, why? And I said, well, we want to make sure we didn't make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And so when I took the test a second time, I scored another 100%. So I didn't, again, know what exactly that could lead me into. But eventually, I built a career into solving problems and challenges and uh, connecting with people uh, in ways that allow me to practice my gift. And I guess the theme of that is, is that no one should ever give up because we always doubt ourselves, we're not sure, we don't have the clarity, but sometimes the clarity can find us. Yeah. My, my take on some of the metaphysics of the soul coming into the vehicle on the planet is aligned with what you say in many ways, in the sense of there's a veil for the soul in the vehicle And that what happens is over time, the veil in two ways becomes pierced. One of the ways is through self-actualization, which you described, which is when the, the, the the soul becomes more sovereign. It becomes more aligned with its higher purpose or higher gift or higher calling. Their basic needs are met. And so they're able to pursue that that higher calling at at a deeper level where they become in service to not only themselves, but to others in an economic Nash equilibrium style. And then on another side of the self-actualization is what is usually termed in spiritual mystic traditions as self-realization. And I think that psychology and a lot of the other sort of very more 
societal structures exist to accelerate self-actualization, but not very many exist for self-realization. And in the sense of self-realization, it's consciousness awakening to its own nature, what the nature of itself is and what the nature of these realities are. And that is usually associated with things around concepts like infinity or eternity or love and compassion and peace and joy and bliss and things like this the highest possible morality the highest possible ethics and self-actualization doesn't always also include that at the same time and so i think those two are very important in systematizing genius so that the veil is not only pierced for those that come with the intent to actualize gifts but at the same time it's to realize the nature of being itself at the same time when listening to you i was just visualizing the yin needs the yang yeah. needs it much like uh quantum entanglement where you have these disparate particles but they find each other and they get entangled and it's interesting to contemplate because spiritual meets material in a sense. And yes. when they combine, you truly are what you were meant to be. And that is the essence, I would say, of what is the most profound thing for civilization to wake up to is that you have a big synthesis that needs to happen between what we could say is like you described, a physicalism and a spirituality and that we need to, in a sense, like we talk about in High Level Perception Chapter 7, the sorting algorithm, we need to drain the dirty bathwater from both of them and we need to uplift the baby of physicalism and the beauty of that accelerating meeting the basic needs of people around the planet, but also the baby of spirituality that is these as Mircea Eliade says, it's these hierophanies. It's the manifestation of the divine. And you bring these two things together, marry them into one. And that's when you have a truly anchored civilization in what can be the maximum abundant truth, prosperity. I want to ask you a question about what you were explaining to us along this journey of yours you identified okay you're a pattern recognition an abstract reasoning a predictive modeling style soul that's really high level at that and that that's giving that's one of the highest signs of intelligence that we've been able to identify thus far and it's a very common theme of people that come on the program and so from there, you said that you began doing these fitting solutions to problems. What were some of those that you began doing? Well, the first was just working on myself. I felt like such a misfit and I couldn't figure out what slot I belong in or should be in that I started to think about, okay, so what am I good at? And solving puzzles and problems seemed to be a, a talent that I had. And so in looking that, you know, I realized that, you know, there, there's a process to this. And I noticed there's structures to successful people. And one of the structures they fell into consistently was they seemed to be systems thinkers. They were able to figure out there's a system. And in fact, now when I look at things, I've gotten in a groove where I just look at every subject as a system in disguise. And it could even be abstractions like love, 
or honesty. There's a system to figuring out if someone's being honest with you, if someone's then ultimately the compatible partner for you. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's breaking the system down into its elements. And the more that you can identify, the more awareness you have and the more discriminating you can be to project forward whether you have that right system that will work for you. Um, what landed me on stage for one of my big breakthrough speeches was I was just having a casual conversation with someone who was an event coordinator. And he asked me about my day. And I said, you know, I think I've stumbled onto something interesting about honesty and how to identify if someone's being really honest, which is a critical thing in business, because if you can't trust people, how can you do business with them? And on a personal level, if you can't trust your mate or your friend, you know, how, how can you continue a relationship with them? And so I broke it down into elements. I, I thought about it for a number of days and I said, there's four things I identified. And that was with honesty, someone has to have good judgment because if they don't, you can't trust them. You can't trust their judgment. But even if they have that and they have the obvious thing that you're looking for, which is character, but they don't have the good judgment, can you trust them? If they have good judgment and good character, but they don't have good habits and they're not dependable. They don't show up on time. They don't do what they say. Can you trust them? And even if you had all three of those, if they had the other element that I identified, which is a lack of uh, temperament and they're bipolar or they're narcissistic or they're sociopathic, can you trust them? So when you start thinking about that, I, I looked at it like the four corners of the person, like people look at it four corners of a contract. And I said, gee, you know, if I could identify and took, take some time with each person that I meet to consistently determine in each of those areas that they have consistent qualities that are high ranking, yeah. they're a keeper. Yep. Anyway, that so apparently impressed them. It yeah. landed me on stage to share that. But I looked at it as a system. And it's the same with anything, any subject. You know, now I, I have a rhythm to this. I, I look at what is the system? What are the elements in the system? And then what is the sequence? A lot of people get tripped up on that in business where they think they've got the system, but they're at step three and they're not really clear about step one. Again, it all goes back to clarity. So ultimately I found coming out of my misfittedness that the joy that I get is providing the clarity by taking people through the process to get that clarity by achieving an understanding of what the system is really comprised of, what the sequence is to have the optimal result, and by accelerating that, getting the success. And so now I've applied that as a result of trying to solve my own problem, which should allow me some clarity to see how I can uh, help support other people. One of the keys that you began sharing with us that has really resonated with me a lot is this style of thinking that I learned from Ken Wilber around hallarchies and that it seems like things are in fact holons inside of each other and that those can be viewed as systems that the the cell is a system inside of your body and that you are a system your entire body of 30 plus trillion cells is a system 
then you are an individual inside of a civilization, which is a system. Yeah, and so that style if of everything thinking. is scalable, you know, it, yeah. we can get into a really esoteric metaphysical conversation. But I, recently I've been studying a lot about uh, the human brain as a system. And we've talked about this and then the universe as a system and the fascinating things that scientists are just now identifying that if you take the slice of a brain cell of a mouse and you overlay it of a slice of a photo that Hubble has composited yeah. from all the many photos it's taken of the universe, they're virtually identical. Identical in the filaments that run through them, which if you look at it, the brain is comprised chiefly of water um, and space they're now identifying is largely dark matter and through these filaments that run through each you know you start to wonder about the connections of like cosmic consciousness when people pray yeah. and they have a, you know a, a spiritual experience there's a lot of overlays that are going on there that because you know I tend to have an associated brain and see how the connections yes. run yes, yes. i thought it was fascinating just reading the other night that when the big bang took place they believed that there was about 11 dimensions that collapsed into what we can experience through our limited senses today and then through these experiments they were just recently doing the news just came out the human brain is so complex with the neurons of the network of neurons just like we have a network of stars in the universe that the numbers are even similar, the number of stars they've identified with the number of neurons we have in our brain, that the human brain apparently is so complex it can perceive in 11 dimensions. Not nine, not 10, not 12, but 11. And so that interconnectivity is, is kind of fascinating to me because it really implies that systems are interoperating, but they're also growing in scale. Yeah. And some of the other aspects that I found fascinating were the Fibonacci sequence, which operates on yeah. the same way yeah. uh, because it, it starts at a micro level. And as you continue to scale up, even as you mentioned, like the human body, your pinky is a, uh, I think the scale for the Fibonacci sequence, uh, the golden ratio is 1.618. That's right. right. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your pinky, that ratio to the length of your arm to the length of your entire body is 1.618. I was fascinated to learn at the macro level that the ratio of the moon to the center of the earth, 1.618, the ratio of the planets that are lined throughout uh, our solar system separate from each other, 1.618. And it goes on and on. The spiral galaxies, yeah. the curve of that galaxy, 1.618. So there are ratios in nature and uh, in concepts and subjects. And, and when you start comparing these and learning, there's a, there's a structure and order to the universe. And the beauty in discovering that is how you can turn that back and apply it to your life and consequently live yep. a life in the golden ratio. Yeah. where it's, it becomes a beautiful life, where you're combining spirituality, your intellect, uh, your emotions, and fusing them together in the most optimal sense, you're self-actualized, and then consequently, you don't really have a lack of clarity anymore. Yep. To leverage the 
insatiable curiosity for the patterns that exist. And I love the one that you take us to because there are these neural networks in the brain and then these appear as neurons as well, humans in the civilizational brain and then the universe scale brain that we discussed a moment ago. And then there's all of the Fibonacci golden ratio patterns that exist around us. And we talk about these holarchical levels that exist. And when one begins to fully grasp those and begin to attempt to figure out if I feel like my North Star is in the field of bioengineering, I must know the fundamental holarchical unit of a cell. I must know it very, very well. But there's a power law distribution around the couple tail end things to know about the cell and to know about things like CRISPR-Cas9 in order for you to become the vast majority proficient in the field of bioengineering. And that's the classic Pareto principle. 20% of things you learn are gonna give you 80% of knowledge in the field. And so to figure that out for every single field, right? We have the young, we're in Los Angeles, there's many young artists here that are passionate about acting, that are passionate about about music we just met one we earlier. just met some yes all right that's right and so this there's a there's a systemic way to make yourself the most possible uncommon people that have ever lived and to truly realize that that is a possibility for your for for your potential and then to help people along the way when we see the patterns to help them see the patterns to help them achieve themselves towards their stars more efficiently is that in essence i've i've talked about this and to amplify on it you know it's fascinating because um i when i took that test i also took another test i guess with mensa and i'm not shy about saying i fell three points short of genius i'm not a genius but it it was troubling to me that I couldn't be one if I wanted to be one. And so I figured out how could I be one if, if I could, how could I be smarter than what the standard test told me in this particular aspect of things, academic wise versus creative wise. And what I realized is it's always the same procedure. You want to start with the goal and reverse engineer and figure out because these structures and these systems, there's an interoperability of scale. That how do you get there? So there's examples of people, and I started studying the great masters, Einstein, Edison, um, Da Vinci, more recently, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. What they had in common is, can you learn genius or are you just born a genius? And when the exciting thing for me after spending many, many years studying this is I truly believe that anyone can discover their genius within and that we all have that. Um, it's just the lack of clarity of how to identify it and access it. So for me, what I discovered was that the great geniuses that I just mentioned all pretty much saw things as systems. And they came at it from slightly different directions because that's the beauty of the diversity that we have, but they all met at the same intersection in terms of how they accessed and processed this. So one of the things I'm looking forward to is now providing that opportunity to other people to access their own genius, 
by uncovering the system and the sequence to solve literally any subject yep. that they're confronting. And you know what that does? It provides confidence, which is something I lacked being a misfit. So yeah. it's kind of a beautiful way of how it all came full circle for me. But it's also a great comfort to know that people who are striving for whatever they are in clarity and their personal life, their professional life, their business life, there are shortcuts to clarity. And, and so I don't know if I'm directly answering your question, but that's what it triggered in me because it's really about what I discovered as a misfit. I didn't understand what my passion or my purpose was, but now it's all aligned in that. And that same opportunity yeah. can be accessible to anyone. Yes. Shortcuts, shortcuts to clarity. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's likely one of the most important things that we can do as a society is enable people to see beyond that veil that consciousness has around its self-actualization realization with those shortcuts to pierce that veil. The, the frustration I find is that a vast majority of people think transactionally and in the moment, and it's basically the survival component. You know, they have to think about food on the table. They have to think about what time their wife is expecting them home and all these things where we're just trying to get through the day and solve the basic necessities. But when you can figure out these things that allow you to get beyond the basic necessities, just like in Maslow's hierarchies of yeah. needs, you realize that you can spend more time focusing on this development, inner development, that allows you to um, really contribute uh, yeah. beyond just thinking about today. Yep. So I've realized that a lot of people that I deal with in the world are transactional for that reason. But at the same time, those who are more relationship oriented can see the relationships between the puzzle pieces yep. and, and what they're looking to do and their goals generally can see down the chessboard a little further and consequently are able to be more effective in the world because they're not just thinking in the moment, they're not thinking about the transaction, but they're seeing that the fountain is really the relationship and the glass of water, the transaction or the deal of the moment or whatever they have to address in their personal life is the glass of water. Yeah. And so when you refocus on the fountain that feeds the glass of water, That's right. essentially you have, you know, it's a kind of a very liberating moment when you see that when you can adjust your thinking in that way you can find inner peace and as well as contributed to others peace yep yep one of the things that i probably f i love that analogy that that one's extremely rich and hopefully it can assist people in seeing that that fountain is that in that sense it's that source of healing that source of richness that source of love that source of compassion that source of helping others with their goals all this type of stuff rather than the transactional glass of water that's a great one one where i feel a strong synthesis between what you're saying right now and what show we just did with tristan a moment ago was where we were demoing tristan's technology that he's developed like his stem notebook and how fascinating it is that as you sort of enter into these different fields on this massive landscape 
that there is a very structured way to when you click artificial intelligence or you click blockchains and cryptocurrencies, when you click into these different fields, what happens is you get the population of the core concepts in that field. And then we just go through the process of training ourselves. It, it, it took me five years to learn what the word recursion meant. Oh. And I had to continue coming back and revisiting it. And I think one of the reasons why is because there are very few storytellers that teach about a concept like recursion when the procedure calls on itself. Nobody is saying that the seed of a tree, the acorn, undergoes recursion when it makes the oak tree and it drops more acorns. But and your challenge in that was probably your gift to others when you understood it better is that you could share it and pay it forward, right? So that's probably, I'm going to intuit, is one of the aspects, the reasons why you're on the earth. That's right. And you're doing yeah. it here. Yeah, that's it. The, the concept itself is important to land in embodied. But the more beautiful thing is when the concept becomes so explained like I'm five simplified, and this is why the genius Johann Wolfgang von Goethe said that the perfect educational lecture belongs in the artist's sphere of work. And so I'm obsessed with trying to simplify these complex concepts about AI and about decentralization and about neuroscience. Well, the genius is in making things simple, yeah. reducing everything to its simplest level of complexity. The, uh, one of the archetypes that I point to is Einstein when he came over with E equals MC squared. Now there's four simple little characters to explain an extremely complex subject that most people still are, are fuzzy about but by reducing it to its simplest level of complexity it makes it more manageable to digest and and synthesize and and understand so i think really what genius is is just being able to do that and i don't know that i'm a genius and again when i tested uh you know on the academic side of the Actually, this would be a good time to bring this up. Last time you said this, this is really important. Those that are really good at the abstract reasoning and the pattern identification, even if they are, quote, genius on the IQ in that sense, I would actually prefer to be friends with and prefer to civilization also prefers this as well is the people that are maybe not as strong on the patterns but that actually know how to create portals into the rest of the world that then teach people about if you can't explain like i'm five if you can't form the most complex concepts into art that then awakens people to the higher levels of perception, your genius is almost completely irrelevant. It only serves just you sitting on some mountaintop or putting sitting inside of some lone office, not actually able to, and this is why a lot of genius needed translators as well. The, your your yeah. obstacles are your opportunities, just like what you wrestle with for five years. Everyone has obstacles. You might want to become a great actor or a great ball player. Um, the information is out there and we can learn from others, but 
I think the genius is in systematizing what we learn in ways that simplify and we can call on to repeat, to practice, and as a result, get better at what we do. And it applies across the board in every field, in all forms of communication, and in all forms of interaction, because everything is in relationship to each other. So people who can really appreciate what relationships are, not just in the abstract sense of you and me is in, in a relationship, but everything physically, spiritually, intellectually is in a relationship to one another. And, and so to really reduce each of these as subjects to their simplest level allows us the access and the clarity to be effective. Yep. Now, given the fact that we're here in Los Angeles, a current phenomenon that's occurring is that there is a tendency for those that are younger in the millennial or the Generation Z or the Generation Alpha groups to have a desire to want to become an influencer on the Internet. And so there's a systematized process in order to most effectively create mimetics, as Richard Dawkins would say. And in doing so, when you create these units of cultural information transfer, what occurs is you can package together some of civilization's most profound wisdom in these Instagram TV stories or little TikToks or five, 10 minute, 15 minute YouTube videos, maybe these longer form podcasts, documentaries, anthologies, animations, all different types of packaging as the Golgi apparatus would do in the cell, all these different ways to package together the mimetics into a vesicle that then goes out and ends up impacting other people's awareness around the world. And now you have the ability to impact 4 billion people that are connected on the actual technology infrastructure. So this is probably a very relatable one in Los Angeles and in entertainment beyond LA, because there are lots of kids growing up around the world that are becoming more and more interested in this style of systematizing themselves to become an influencer. Do you see that as something that is uh, not only able to be systematized in the way that I described it? Is there anything that can't be systematized in that? I honestly don't believe so anymore. I I know that uh, after I spoke on stage in that transformative uh, opportunity that I was given, I had 20 people sign up just for a session with me for an hour and they had incredibly complex problems and I was really thinking you know I may be suffering from imposter syndrome because they were so diverse and it's like what if I can't answer their questions I fall on my face or they want their money back but I got through 20 through 20 and they were all like glowing and uh, raving about my ability to take them through this journey I spent a half an hour at the first start just actively listening And as I was listening, I was systematizing in my brain the pieces that they were missing or the clarity. And then the next half hour, I was just stream of consciousness where they had a race to keep up with me. But it went from a woman who wondered why she had been sexually harassed on the police force to somebody who had a a business that was freight forwarding and needed to come up with $4 million 
by tomorrow where his shareholder funder would shut him down. And you'd think those would have nothing to do with each other. And they were disparate subjects, but they were really systems in disguise that hadn't been perfected to the degree they could be. And so I'm a great believer that, yeah, there, there is an approach here that can work for literally anyone. And you and I talked about it, I think the other night, where um, I'm thinking about now launching some masterminds where I can help people with these different areas of their life to fully become not only self-actualized, but self-realized. Yeah. And we need to talk about that more. Yes. But essentially the idea is there's ways to perfect your IQ because there's a system inside that that you don't necessarily have to be born with. You don't necessarily have to have the DNA. But the the access to how that works. And then the second part is having a good EQ. Yep. And having a high EQ allows you the empathy to relate to people that they're, if, no matter how high I, your IQ is, if they can't relate and enjoy the experience, they're, they're going to tune out. Yep. And then having the high EQ is still insufficient because you have to have a high SQ, which is a spiritual, spiritual quotient, quotient, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you need to really have a sense, uh, an anchored sense of, you know, what what's real and what's important and, and how to deduce that and a calmness and a foundation that that provides. And when you put all that together, I think you're self-actualized and self-realized. And then, then you can learn technique because most people get it wrong. They want to learn the technique first and put the roof up. But if you don't have a strong foundation, the house can't stand as sturdy as it could otherwise. So with that, there's various techniques. You know, there's podcasts, there's uh, using email. There's, that's all whole cloth stuff. But you can't really become an influencer unless you understand these really important foundational pieces that allow people to trust you. And they can intuit that. And once they do, and you're authentic, and you can shed all of these affectations of, you know, being salesy and, you know, all the marketing lingo. um, When they trust you, they can take in the information. And I've truly believe I can show people ways to become literally a highest level servant influencer yes in their field that will attract people rather than having to sell them that's right right they they come to you they yep. they want to be in your orbit yep. and and so I think that's the beautiful most beautiful and uh, purest form of influence yeah I love the example of all of the different people that come to you because you share with them the way that you've identified the patterns in how to systematize genius across different fields, including the not only IQ, but also in emotional intelligence, how to teach people how to drop in to another person's well, how to experience, connect. how to connect. You, you can communicate, but not connect. You can yeah, network. That's right. And maybe communicate and you can communicate and network but still it really happens in the connection and the honor ironic thing for me is i don't know how i exactly turned this all into a career but i'm not on any social media because i know i'd be overwhelmed because i through my own private network people are always coming to me and people have asked like what is your business model and i just say you know i wake up in the morning and i wait for the phone to ring 
And it's a beautiful thing because it's not like you're having to constantly advertise and and come up with something more clever in terms of your your branding or your you know your your marketing statement. It's people seek you out yep. because they feel comfortable and they feel like you're going to treat them with honesty and that you're service oriented. And those are really some of the basic secrets. Like I said, I just yes. reduced it to its simplest level of complexity. It's not that complicated. Yeah, I loved how you focused on trust in the beginning and how you're bringing it back right now because and it's also super interesting that when people undergo processes of self-realization, usually what occurs is that their consciousness no longer is tied to some sort of belief about their ego, that it moves away from a service to self, only self-dealing feeling process to a, as the great child and adult psychologists of our time have identified in spiritual leaders that there's a sort of systematized process that consciousness undergoes to evolve from egotistical to then social and then ethno and then world and then eventually you get into some stuff like the transpersonal and the non-dual and potentially the symphonic idea that we've been sharing on the program quite a bit and so when somebody experiences something like a non-dual state of awareness, then there is no longer that style of service to self ego dynamic, which then creates the trust. It creates the authenticity. That's where self-realization can play a massive role in people actualizing their fullest gifts. I remember when I so long often felt like a misfit growing up, I was self-conscious. Uh, when I managed to shed the self-consciousness and start thinking about other people and being more of a servant versus serving myself, which is a place we all start from because we have that, that need to put food on the table and take care of you know, all the things that we need to take care of in life, uh, things opened up for me. And uh, I think I shared with you the story earlier when my parents both died, um, not having any brothers or sisters, and my mom asked me the question on her deathbed, what was it all for? And I couldn't answer that question. It tore me up inside. So I spent five years writing world leaders to understand, you know, what is essentially the secret? People who had accomplished great things that other people only aspire to achieve in all fields. And the two fascinating recurring themes that came back out of that five-year project were that we need to figure out how to put each other first instead of ourselves first. And the second thing that we need to do is have the discipline to maintain that ability to continue to think that way because it's not easy to think that way. And if we can do that, we may even have a shot at making it to the 22nd century. That's right. So, so many people focus on the fact that we have nuclear powers, we have all this outward manifestation of our ability to destroy or compromise one another. There's environmental degradation. These are all outer manifestations of who we are in our inner space. But if in our inner space, we understand that we're all interconnected or we're all in a relationship and how I impact you or how you impact me 
impacts the final end game, then if we can change and shift that consciousness and start thinking more along those lines, we may have a shot at continuing because right now we're in a lot of trouble. So it's really not that complicated because that, I think, also reduces that subject to its simplest level of complexity. Yes, yes. It's profound how these seemingly traumatic experiences is one of the most common archetypes of the leaders that we've had the opportunity to sit down with on the program. And it's also one of the most common archetypes of the hundreds of thousands of people that psychoanalysts have studied is the trauma to treasure archetype. So you have this profound experience with your mother that then catalyzes a search for what is this all about and how can we maximize human potential? And the answer, the pattern from the leaders is that it must go in that service to other dynamic rather than that service to self dynamic, the we rather than the me. But at the same time, that's not to pathologize it and create some sort of a dynamic where you absolutely deteriorate your own vehicle, just always in service to, to the we. But then on the second step is to basically discipline ourselves continuously over time to be in that Nash equilibrium where every decision that we make as a sovereign individual is simultaneously benefiting the collective. I Balance. Yeah. Right. And, and so things have to be in balance for them to be their optimal, most effectiveness. So if it's out of balance and we're more focused on ourselves, and it, it goes to the times today, you know, we're in a very sad time of divisiveness. And I believe because we're not in balance. And why are we not in balance? Because we're looking for the faults in others rather than addressing ourselves first to build a more stable foundation that allows us to be less judgmental because as even Christ said, you know, uh, judge not lest ye be judged. And we're forgetting basic simplicities that have just been repackaged through time. Yeah. And it's a shame because right now, you know, we look for the differences rather than the commonalities. I'm very worried about the United States because we're supposed to be the United States. Yep. And instead we're falling further apart and giving aid and comfort to our enemies who are our adversaries who are enjoying it and democracy is something that's critically important because we can't even have these discussions without the structure and the framework of a democracy yep. and and so i think people are losing sight of what they need to get back to in the simplest form yep. which is respect and um patience yep. and all those basic virtues that we yeah. were taught in school that we when we've grown up here we've lost and forgotten about but we need to get back to if again we're going to make it yeah so that's my personal soapbox but i'm i'm really passionate about helping people discover that just because somebody else appears to be a misfit to you doesn't mean that they can improve or that you can improve and that you consequently can improve the relationship to get beyond that Yep. Within the experience that you were telling me about where you had the opportunity to realize you came up with this profound and this is one of those self-realizing moments when you came up with this important embodied realization that 
the orangutan is 97% genetically similar to the human, and yet we identify the 3% genetic difference as the most important thing to focus our attention on. And the same thing that I wrote in chapter 9 on consciousness and high-level perception, where if we apply calculus to consciousness we can begin perceiving things like the integral the integration of the infinitesimal data of the eight billion perspectives as the unity consciousness the god consciousness if you will and that that being the 99 percent that we share genetically with each other as humans right and then on the individuation the derivative level it's the 0.1 percent genetic difference we have with each other which is the unique gift or the unique fruit or that star that we're trying to bring to the world our own unique artistic painting or melody we're playing or instrument in the big symphony which is the integral and so if we begin also telling stories this way right you take concepts from fields like mathematics and you marry them with spirituality and you tell them in an explain like i'm five story to people that makes them more mindful that makes them more loving makes them more compassionate makes them more artistic i you know as you were speaking i was uh reflecting back on that was a very important moment in my life i was working with a nonprofit foundation helping to preserve orangutan i learned that fact about the orangutan and I really wrestled and tried to understand, like, why is it that we're so fundamentally wired to focus on the differences rather than the similarities? And I believe it's something from our primordial brain that Carl Sagan identified in Dragons for, of Eden, mm -hmm. where it's the fear factor where you're out in the wilderness, you're Cro-Magnon man, you don't understand. You're, it, the fear is what's feeding your decision making. And so you're looking for differences as a way to drive those decisions to protect yourself. And I think the fundamental change we need to make as a species in humanity is, and we're on the precipice with technology that can destroy us or take us forward to a whole new level, is how our perspective we can work on, like when Gandhi said, you be the change you want to see in the world, if we can start um, tapping in more to faith rather than fear yeah and faith based on reason based on science based on spirituality based on emotion based on intellect all those eq iq sq mm -hmm. factors it's a tall order but you know i i think if we get away from looking at the differences but start focusing again on the commonalities that will allow us to ultimately fulfill what I believe God's purpose is for us here to learn to grow and to graduate. Yep. Now, one of the things that I think would be potentially helpful to, to illustrate is that when it, we are talking about, and we have this beautiful over the shoulder shot, which we'll be using, boom. So when we talk about systematizing genius, when we talk about this sort of love for, for patterns, something that's interesting that really, I think we can probably both visually be able to agree on that may be able to help the audience as well kind of grasp this is something along the lines of there are, we can imagine just like 
cells, we have these 8 billion humans, and that these 8 billion humans are in pursuit of their North Stars, and that all of them are sort of, they have different North Stars. Some of them, again, are going to find that bioengineering one. Some of them are going to follow the blockchain one. Some of them are just going to be artists. Some of them are just going to be good parents, right? So there's all different ty types of someone wants to be a Fortune 500 CEO, right? There's so many different variations. This can be thought of as a big color wheel along the along the pursuit. And then along this journey of the of the individuals that they they have a power law distribution of what is actually located right here. So what is located in this area? And so in that area, we hypothesize, is the 20% of data or information that they need to know that's going to actualize 80% of their star. And so what we want to do is we want to, in a sense, and let's see if you agree with this, we want to basically catalyze for all, for all 8 billion people on the planet. And we can leverage artificial general intelligence and we can leverage a lot of the other pattern recognition technologies that exist to assist us with this process. But we want to maximize everyone's ability to rocket themselves over time towards their stars and so that's in essence the idea and we can leverage that you know that agi right we talked about this in chapter six called ai coach but would you say that this is generally the the sort of idea of trying to identify the patterns that people are most in need for to achieve their goals and to help whether it's iq eq sq well i i might look at it from a slightly different direction do you want to draw I'm sorry. Do you want to draw? <laughs> Are you... No, no, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. I also okay. was noticing very interesting that you used red and blue markers on a white canvas, which to me symbolizes freedom. Um, mm. and, and people need that freedom to be able to explore and to be able yeah. to accomplish these, these things. But, um, you know, I, I would just simply say that. Yeah. How do you see it? Consistently, you know, pay attention to your challenges and what keeps coming up because it's probably your, your opportunities and in both in areas that you're frustrated in and where areas that you're accelerating in and what your journey is based on understanding that more clearly that, you know, you, I, I, I found that when I was growing up, I was always attracted to the, my biggest challenges. Like I had a fear of heights. And as a result of that fear of heights, I decided to go skydiving. That's right. You know, and, and so the things that you fear the most and they, they hold you back if you don't address them and get on the horse when it's thrown you. And that can take many forms. Uh, people, for example, when I mentioned narcissistic, uh, it's an overcompensation for fear and, and you know, being called out 
for a lot of reasons that you're an imposter or that you, you know, we, we tend to have these counterweights in our life. And so we overcompensate in many different ways. Um, and I just think it's important to be honest, intellectually honest with yourself so that you can fully manifest the genius in you and the gifts that you have in, you know, so many ways and in so many areas. Um, the fact that you may be in the wrong job right now or the wrong profession, if you're not getting satisfaction from it and you feel like you're not in the zone, is a great indication that that's not what you were meant to do and you should be pursuing something else. And there's ways to get the information to really ultimately show up on this earth where you're serving yourself and serving others in a way that's fully in balance. And I don't know if that addresses the point that you made, but that's what it brought up for me because there's different systems. There's different ways to follow and find your North Star. But intuition is there because it's a powerful mechanism. It's the subconscious filing cabinet telling you you need to open this file and really address it, read it, look at it, learn from it, and then move past it. There is a knocking that happens. There's an intuition that happens. There is a many different ways that the North Star enters into people's lives, that it's discovered, that it's unveiled, that there's different ways to perceive, like we drew in that graphic, there's different ways to perceive the, the need for the 8 billion cells of the organism of the planet to get the titration thanks to potentially things like the AI coaches where you can actually get the exact styles of processes. There's three specific ones that I think are really important to get people to their stars. There's one of them that is around longevity, which is basically the process of taking a stream of biometrics of the body and then keeping a youthful 18-year-old homeostatic capacity through the rest of your life. There's the enlightenment, which is taking these states of non-dual consciousness and attempting to systematize the process of them being grounded inside of the psyche of the individuals as they become their North Star artists. And that's the last one. The last one is to enable the systematic process if the person is interested in the field of blockchain that they become aware of Andreas Antonopoulos, they become aware of Satoshi Nakamoto, they become aware of Vitalik Buterin, they become aware of the people and their podcasts and their lectures and the different uh, practices around using the actual um, programming of decentralized applications. And this is where what Tristan was showing us earlier, these are the types of technologies that are the fundamental step that's getting us to the point where the sovereign individual intuitively, metaphysically, what have you, becomes more and more aware of that star. But then they're always looking. They're always trying to figure out where do I go? Where do I look next? Who do I talk to? How do I parse for the information that's going to help me attain these these realizations of non-duality or longevity or my North well, Star? And I, I think you hit on the key word because you kept saying it, awareness. 
But the way to have greater awareness is to take less focus off yourself. And as a result, you have, you know, nature of horrors of vacuum. You have an ability then to fill that vacuum by no longer focusing on yourself, but everything beyond yourself, including other people that we're in a relationship with. And so by being able to do that, you enhance your awareness. And I believe if you're aspiring to be a genius or you are a genius and want to enhance your genius, enhancing your awareness feeds that goal. Yep. And so the way to do that is simply to start thinking again, as I went back to a recognition of the service mentality yep. and that we're all in a relationship with one another. But you, you brilliantly stated a number of the avenues and approaches and the techniques that can help people with that opportunity. Thank you. Opinion. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That first, yeah, I, I've been enjoying the, the process of assisting the flowering of the unique aromas of the brilliant guests that we have on the program. And it's been actually quite nice when the guest also is hitting over really kind tennis balls over to me that share that, that their aroma is in a sense becomes more and more possible through the kind of the interlocutor process that then can slowly over time identify these concepts, try and visualize them, prioritize them in the in the star position in that hierarchy so that we can do our best to actually hone in our energy on on that focus on that. Just fun to slow down for a moment and be playful. All right. Man, we've already hit so much. I love it. All right. Let's. I love how you said getting to the 22nd century. Nobody's talking about that right now. That's a great way to put we're, it. We're all, unfortunately, victims of the present. And by being in the present, you can't have a sense of the future or planning for it. And for me, you know, I, I as a relationship-oriented people, look down the chessboard and I'm not seeing a lot of great stuff ahead. And the only way that we can make sure that our children and grandchildren inherit the future we want is to be more aware that we have to start thinking beyond ourselves or beyond our immediate needs. And so I think it's really important to see that that connectivity allows us to create a future that we actually are in charge of. Rather than feeling that we're reactive, we can be proactive, but in a way that is in balance. Um, and our politics right now is so coarse because everyone has their own viewpoints on that. But it's like what Gandhi again said, be the change you wanna see in the world. What is the world that we wanna see? And we're ultimately still in charge of that decision. Although I feel like the door is closing in many respects. And so again, I think the solution is not about focusing on whether we mine more coal or we have a, you know, a trillion dollar environmental plan. It's really about how we can see each other as in a relationship that we can inform each other and respect each other and respect each other's differences but the, still at the end of the day, 
come to a conclusion where we can work together that will allow us to realize the goal that we all want, which is a thriving society, yep. a healthy society, and, and a self-actualized society where people can get along. Yep. A lot of people in modernity don't hear the 22nd century meme that you're teaching us about right now. And a lot of the indigenous around the planet have a seventh generation principle that they work with on a regular basis. They don't make any decision until they think, how is this going to affect one, two, three, four, five, six, seven generations down the line? And so to have a synthesis between these sorts of ideas in indigeneity, where there is that depth of interconnectedness, where you can't just dump something into the river because you know it's part of the hydrological cycle, toxins, that type of stuff. And the same thing regarding the actual biodiversity of the forests that we can't just go and take short-term decisions on destruction of them where you basically have this style of thought process that I'm in an interconnected relationship where those forests and the phytoplankton in the oceans are providing me with my 20,000 inhales of oxygen that I take every day. That kind of knowledge enables the seventh generation principle to become more embodied on a civilizational level. And then the architectures go in place that prevent the short-term thinking. So this is on a very like... There's several sort of layers here, and one of them really is on a, you know, the 22nd century macro level and on a on a micro on a more meso, let's say meso level on the human level. You have the self-actualization and the self-realization and that those two things, they need to be prioritized at the same degree as we realize that the individual sort of catalyze a lot of the civilizational macro level success. So the more that that wisdom is grounded within the individual, the more that the social fabric itself becomes more actualized. And the same thing's true as the social fabric affects the individual that's within it. They play off of each other. When you have something like modern left versus right dynamics in the United States, you actually have a embedded growth obligation in both the Republican and the Democratic Party that has, it has come to such an, outs an astounding degree of perpetual polarization. polarization. Polarization to where there is no more idea of a take the baby out of the bathwater. Well, there's only one way it. of thinking. If yeah. you want to believe that your way of thinking is the only way of thinking. And that is the challenge. But I it's remember... It's the integral perspective, right? That integral where you see that the other party... Well, right now I see that we're stuck in phase two. And I mean by that is that when I was in college, I learned about the Socratic method yep. of reasoning, which is you start with a thesis and then you have antithesis. And that's phase two. We're stuck in antithesis right now without realizing the beauty that it's only part of a process of getting to synthesis. Synthesis, yeah. And, and so that whole synthesis is the ability, again, to see that maybe that orangutan with 97% of our DNA, that 3% difference that we're focusing on, you can flip the script, but you have to be aware that that's what's needed to get beyond the polarization that's 
ultimately leading to the wrong direction and, and a crack up here of what we all ultimately want. And so we're distracted by our own ego and our own determination to believe that we're right. And there's only one right way of thinking. And, you know, I think with more sensitivity to the multidimensional ways that we can think about things, we have a shot to get back to what our founders wanted for us, which was a republic if we can keep it. Yep. And the perverse incentives have taken root, which is that approximately 250 years ago, we actually had a very smart way of identifying that if we're going to have somewhere around somewhere around 3000 or 6000 people that are actually representing every single uh, that are being represented by a single person in Congress. And then you have that go up by over 100 X to 600,000 plus people that are being represented by every person in Congress over the span of 250 years that we would need somewhere around 8,000 people in Congress to be at that same ratio as when it was founded. And so it's an absolute ridiculous uh, inability to, to reason the complex variables that in the pattern that was in the past and the pattern that is now and the perverse incentives that exist in the system. But beyond that is the unity. Beyond that is the synthesis like you described. It's when we take the babies, we drain the bathwater, we take the babies, we merge them together into that synthesis, whether it be indigeneity, modernity, the left and the right in the U.S., China in the U.S., Hollywood and Silicon Valley. There's so many of these poles that can be harmonized and merged, physicalism and spirituality. The more and more that we do that process and we prioritize that process and we prioritize upgrading our consciousness, upgrading our awareness to these non-dual states, also to these gift actualizing states, the more we do that process, everything else falls in because you become a channel. Everything falls into place because you become a channel. Everything that you touch turns to gold because you are Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, Lao Tzu, Confucius. You begin channeling that through you to everything you touch. But you must experience that oneness. You must experience that unity, that symphony that is unfolding for you to become that true channel of that state. We're all instruments of the cosmos. Of uh, I mean, we're here on the earth, I personally believe, because there is a, a higher power that would like to see the best for us. But we have free will and we have the choice. And, and so what we choose, particularly now in a, in a very, very uh, important time, will ultimately determine whether I believe the human species itself is sort of God's petri dish and, and how we'll turn out in these thousands of years where we've evolved or devolved to this point will ultimately tell the story, our story. And so there's a huge amount of really important things riding on it. And we now have the technology to destroy ourselves or, as I said, to improve ourselves. But by retaining sight of the bigger picture here uh, and letting go of some of our ego around all of these various issues to strike common cause and common purpose, yep. I believe it's, it's almost a test right now. We're at a point in our history where we can step off this planet 
and in not too many years from now start colonizing others yep but if we can't get along down here what are we going to be doing out there what are we exporting yeah. we have to solve it now because otherwise it's like a virus yep. you know we, we we will be spreading beyond where we are and if we're a good and healthy functioning system that will take what we've realized beyond and contribute wherever and whatever that is that lies beyond here but if we can't we're just basically an infection <laughs> and it's sad to think about it that way but you know i i really believe that it's a test and right now we're not doing well enough because we're too self-conscious we're too ego driven we're too dug in and by loosening that up i think that is going to be our best destiny yeah and on a metaphysical level the god's petri dish analogy is strong and i would also my take on it as well is that we are publishers and players of the game so the kingdom of god is within you as leo tolstoy said or tatvamasi you are that from the sanskrit spiritual traditions or wahat al wujud which is the unity of all being existence from the sufi traditions or i and my father are one from the new testament john ten thirty. so over and over again the same mystic mystical wisdoms have been communicated on a planetary level and today we have the virtual reality which is acting as an awakening mechanism in many ways to where consciousness begins to be able to investigate itself because it learns that huh as i enter into these indistinguishable three-dimensional virtual worlds what's occurring is that i have forgotten about my three-dimensional virtual world that i came from and so it's this recursive process that we're undergoing as we explore infinity. Consciousness exploring infinity is my current metaphysics in that you can't ever finish exploring an unbounded territory, an unbounded map. There's no way to finish exploring it. And so it's just this ongoing eternal cyclical cosmology of consciousness exploring different vehicles and different phenomenologies that exist and that these four-limb, two-eyed, carbon-based DNA encoded creatures may just be chocolate in the ice cream store. And then next is vanilla and mango and cookies and cream and all these other flavors to go and experience. And that if that is the nature of reality, it's important to care. It's important to care about this cycle. It's important to care about wanting to help other people realize the nature of consciousness, the nature of reality, ground that in their being, and then be able to achieve, get past the Fermi filters, get to the Godhead, go into the next potentially cycles of consciousness exploring. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Interesting. But no, I think you, you stated that very well. And, um, you know, it's interesting when we started here about uh, systems and sequencing but ultimately, the greatest system and sequence that we can uncover is ourselves. Yep. And the ability to master that system and that sequence will determine our fate. And I hope we find it soon. But in the meantime, uh, you know, as I shared, if, uh, if there's people I can impact with some of the insights I've learned, then that is really part of my passion and purpose. And I'm feeling like I'm doing what I can to contribute to that whole process. Yeah, I couldn't have said that last part better myself. 
either. And this is the cool thing is that Neil has a mastermind. And so you guys can, if you'd like, you can find the link in the bio below. I'll give you a little, give you a little, little look at what we're talking about. So you can find Neil's website, worldclassconnections.com. The link's in the bio below. There's a bunch of really cool information on there. One of the talks that I watched Neil give was, it was over an hour. It was the one that Neil was talking about where afterward he was approached by dozens of people to to schedule these the, these masterminds that, that he did with them, these private sessions, coaching sessions. And he really basically unpacks what patterns are in the world and what they what analyzing them can do for systematizing your own genius pursuit towards your self-actualization and so again there's the links in the bio below check out his website also check out the the private coaching offering and the mastermind i think neil and i and potentially tristan and many others in our nodal cluster are going to be undergoing a process where we ourselves are going to be taking on more and more of what we're thinking about at these highest levels and trying to disseminate them in a more private setting to people that want to join in on that level. And so I look forward to seeing, you know, what evolves from that. And so again, do support Neil also support simulation our show. You can find our links in the bio below. You can support the other artists, entrepreneurs, the engineers, the spiritual leaders, the scientists in your communities around the world, support them, help them flourish. Um, I have a funny, silly question on the way out. Please. I love these. What is your favorite food? My favorite food? Yep. Well, I'm a misfit. I have a lot of different favorite foods. <laughs> um, growing up, I can tell the joke that I like to share with people that I studied under one of the most popular chefs in America, Chef Boyardee. <laughs> <laughs> and and yet I've had some of the finest gourmet Italian food since and everything in between has tasted pretty good I uh, I'm just grateful to have food I mean literally because you know it feeds your soul your spirit your psyche so literally I I'm an eclectic I I just like everything yeah and I maybe that might not be a satisfactory no, that's a good answer but a good it's one. a truthful one it's good one. how about favorite foreign food favorite foreign food my favorite foreign food you know again i i love italian Just, uh, i love middle eastern food okay. uh i i love pho yeah vietnam yeah right for sure um everything's an experience and it's a different part of the palate and i guess i just embrace <laughs> the richness of so many things that we're gifted to have while we're here on the earth yeah i agree i have that same style of um uh, a be, being a xenophile, I love foreign cultures. Yeah, and also especially their food. But I'll never forget now from now on is the Chef Boyardee joke. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Okay, that was too funny. All right, guys, that's pretty much it. We love you very much. Thanks for tuning in. Did you feel like we got pretty much everything out? I, I really enjoyed it. I thank you for this time. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you too, Neil. Yeah, this was so special. This was so, so special. Let us know your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Subscribe, like the video, share it with other people. Let's systematize genius on a planetary level. Everyone deserves to actualize their gifts. Everyone deserves to be self-realized, self-actualized. Let's make it to that recursive Godhead. We love you very much. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you soon. Much love, everyone. Peace.